Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Now that you've found UBN Radio and discovered our quality talk shows, it's time to spread the word to friends, family, and the universe. 24 hours of music and talk. Radio without limits. That's why people keep coming back for more. That's UBNRadio.com. Welcome to Distill It with Richard Listen's show here on UBN Radio TV. I am your host, Peter Sobey. I am very happy to be here tonight. It's always a wonderful time of year because the Major League Baseball season has started, and that is uh, probably my favorite sport, even though I love football. But as you can see, I'm wearing my Chicago Cubs baseball hat, and we are still celebrating after being World Series champions, and I can talk on and on about that, but first, I will not talk on and on about that. I will introduce the man, the myth, the legend, the sports psychologist, psychologist extraordinaire, Richard Olberger, PhD. I didn't even follow that up. He set a high bar for you. Yeah, how do I even live up to that? (laughs) Dr. Richard, you're feeling a little bit under the weather, but you're a gamer. You're here tonight. I'm here. Just to listen. (laughs) I'm kind of like the dummy in the chair at at Weekend at Bernie's, you know, just the... (laughs) Just, I'm here, I'll smile, I'll make some gestures. Nod like this when you agree. (laughs) That's right. And uh, Dr. Richard, you've had some adventures over the last week or two with youth sports. And um, I want to follow up with that in one moment, but our audience is hearing other voices. And our show is called Distill It! Exclamation point with Richard Listens. (laughs) And that's because... Part of the Richard Listens Distillate Show are the incredible women from the Distillery Incorporated, Wendy Rosenthal and Era Schwitzer. <laughs> <laughs> really you, well done, Peter. Thank yeah. you. Did you guys plan the Cubs hat yes. thing? Did you guys coordinate no. that? That's, no. Wow. So, yes, as we get into that, you know, Wendy every week has vowed to wear a different hat on every show. And tonight... I'm proud to say that she is rocking a Chicago Cubs hat. Yes, I am. In honor of our guest, I wanted to wear a baseball hat. And I went looking through my closet and didn't seem to find my L.A. Dodger hat. So I had to go beg my five-year-old son to let me wear his favorite (laughs) hat, which is the Chicago Cubs hat. And when I asked him, can I borrow your hat, he looked at me and said, 
Um, first of all, will I get it back tonight? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yes, you will. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm being serious. He said that to me. And then the second thing was, and can you make sure not to make it dirty? And I was like, okay, I'll do my best. All right. Those are fair conditions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From a five-year-old. And Era, you're rocking the Nike cap, kind of like a Nike golf style hat. That's right. It, it really could do, it serves so many purposes. It's just an all-around cap. Just do it. Just do it. But it is in whatever the, it is. Hey, just do just it. It is do in it. the cardinal color of it does our feel, alma mater. It does USC. feel Stanford inspired as well. Um, no, excuse no. me. <laughs> <laughs> you see, they're big boy. <laughs> we are Trojans. Wow, the lines have been drawn. We are Trojans. <laughs> so um, I am very excited about our guest tonight, and he's on standby. We are going to bring him on in a moment. But um, you know, ironies <laughs> of all ironies, here at the Still It with Richard Listens show is a couple of months ago we happened to have our live show during the National Championship Collegiate Football Game. And tonight, once again, somehow the show has landed right on the National Championship. But as you know, when you watch us on Facebook Live, you can check in, leave comments, questions. And we have our number one fan, A.J. Collier. AJ, what's the score? And he's he's giving us updates already. Ten minutes to go. 47-47. Ah, wow. right. Go so Gonzaga. Gonzaga has, after coming out slow from halftime, yeah. they are making it tight. Nice. Sean Miller is checking in. More another regular and old Peter Sobe Seville connection. Go Seville. Um, he's checking in. He says it's a great game. So thank you, AJ and Sean, for keeping us posted on that. And hopefully... We won't have a show during any other major, <laughs> huge sporting event in the next six months at least. So um, well, it is the beginning of the baseball season, which is very exciting. And I'm excited about our guest, a former baseball player. And hang in there one more moment because really quick, uh, Richard, you've had we talk about youth sports on the show a lot. And what that means as far as if you're a coach, you're a parent, you're an actual youth playing sports. You've had quite the experience the last week or two with your son's soccer team. I, I certainly have. Um, you know, we talk about it, we read about it, um, but to live it has been, I mean, my. I think I've picked up this cold from change of elevation, change of temperatures. Uh, I've been from Reno to Carson City, Nevada, um, to the Rose Bowl. So, uh, there's it. your there's your Trojans yes. uh, representation, but it's uh, an amazing journey. Um, what what parents must go through, what coaches must yeah. go through, the, the traveling, weather conditions, um, and all the emotions of and the physicality of the game. And um, anyway, hope you check out my blog and read a little bit more about some of the amazing uh, interactions we've had and small miracles along the way. As long as the agony of defeat. And all the learning that goes along with that. But the team did pretty well, right? I mean, they they came really close up in Northern California. You know, that's the thing. At the end of the day, um, you know, it was a disappointment when you don't get first. They did wind up uh, finishing third after an overtime loss to the eventual champion. But that's a third out of about, I think, 2,000 kids. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, and at that age, to have that, that journey really sets the stage to really a band of of brothers and families and community that uh, will continue continue to grow together. Amazing. And you mentioned your blog, which everyone out there can read at facebook.com slash Richard Listens or your website, richardlistens.com. 
That's right. Which is how people can reach you as well. That's right. We appreciate all the followers on, on Twitter and Instagram and interaction through Facebook. We want to know what you want to hear more about. We want to hear your opinions and perspectives. And uh, we want to represent you. So, And since we're just doing a quick contact shout out, when people want to get a hold of the fine individuals from the distillery, they can go to? TheDistilleryInc.com. Beautiful. Or our Facebook page. Which is Facebook.com distillery, distillery or the distillery, Inc. Inc. the distillery Inc. Okay, that's how you get a hold of everyone. So enough of that. Let's get to our guest because we have a totally, 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 totally cool, awesome guest. And not that Shlomo Argamon, <laughs> well, he was awesome, our yeah, last show. Absolutely. Our You're just practicing all professor. your pronunciations tonight. I am, yes. <laughs> And uh, tonight, luckily, our guest is very easy to pronunciate, although you might get in the habit of misspelling his last name, but it's spelled very obviously, as you would think. So our guest tonight, I'm going to just go ahead and bring him on, and then I'll tell you a little bit more about him. Let's give a warm distillate with Richard Listen's welcome to Ryan Bear. Yay. Hey, Ryan. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Ryan is a trooper. He is in Nashville right now. That's right. Right, Ryan? It is. Yeah. Nashville. So it's pretty late. It's, you know, 11, 11 over there in Nashville right now. And he's sacrificing, I'm sure, great Final Four championship party tonight to be here with us. That's crazy. So thank you, Ryan. Well, I appreciate you having me on. I wouldn't miss it. So Ryan is a really interesting individual for our show here because, you know, we like to talk about things, you know, the motto of our show is a 360-degree view of life and sports. And, of course, we have Richard here, who's a sports psychologist. We have Era and Wendy, who are athletic transition specialists. And so we talk a lot about things, you know, kind of on the periphery of sports and the psychology of sports. And what makes you so interesting, Ryan, is that you have... You have a great, you know, underdog story with professional baseball, number one. And so you've had that experience in getting drafted by a major league baseball team. And then, you know, you've had the experience of playing, but then you've also had the experience of transitioning from being a professional athlete to starting a new life. And those are all things that we love to talk about here on the show. So we have a lot of uh, great things to talk about, Ryan. Looking forward to it. So what brought you to our attention, Ryan, is that you have written a book. It's not out yet, but tell us the name of the book, Ryan, if you would. Well, it's called How to Get Drafted by a Major League Team. Uh, and then the subtitle was Realize the Dream of Professional Baseball. And it's amazing. So the cool thing about this book that you are writing is that you are basically – a junior college walk-on to a pro tryout day for the Florida Marlins. And actually, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to tell her any story. I want you to, cause it's a, it's a fascinating story. So tell us where you were, like begin the journey. You're in junior college. You know, what type of player were you, what kind of success did you have and take it from there, Ryan? Okay. So, uh, well, I walked on to the local junior college team, uh, with no real, athletic scholarship offers. I had an academic scholarship uh, that the coach set up there at the local junior college, Gulf Coast Community College, to bring me on. And uh, 
the coach at the time was Darren Mazeroski, who was uh, son of Hall of Famer Bill Mazeroski. Wow. There's some professional pedigree for you. Absolutely. So you kind of come right into a scene where um, even though it's a junior college, it's a very professional setting as far as uh, how they go about their business. Uh, Darren, our coach, grew up in big league clubhouses with his dad all of his life. So it was more of a professional type setting uh, than it was a college type setting. Um, So I started learning uh, different things from them right out of the gate. Um, started to really build my work ethic there more than anything else, um, along with some of the knowledge that they passed on as far as, you know, how guys operate uh, in professional baseball. And uh, just kind of developed from there, uh, was able to earn a scholarship from Gulf Coast uh, into University of Central Florida. Uh, played two years there, my junior and senior year there. Uh, didn't even play most of my junior year, to be honest with you. Sat, sat the bench over half the games. Uh, was able to play every game my senior year. And uh, How was that even like, just to stop you there for one second, Ryan, what was mm-hmm. that like your junior year? You get a scholarship to go play baseball at the higher level college, and you're feeling pretty good about yourself, and then you spend your time on the bench. Like, How did you stay mentally focused and, and you know reaching your goal at that point? Well, it was, I mean, it was a struggle, uh, no question. Um, but it's one of those things where if I, if I wouldn't have had that work ethic earlier on or wouldn't have had that drive, um, it would have been really easy to get deterred at that, at that point in time, sitting, you know, uh, sitting games out and not playing all the time. So, um, you just, you know, you find a way to stay focused and, uh, you know, you look at, every opportunity uh that that you may get and just try to maximize it and uh basically just try to buy yourself more playing time with every pinch hit that you may get or every time they put you in uh for defensive replacement late in the game and just try to uh you know just try to showcase your skills as much as you can and play as hard as you can uh was one of the main things and and hopefully they give you a shot you know in the next game moving forward so can I ask a question? Just stepping back yeah. a little bit, you know, what, what, I don't want to say possessed, but you had some internal fire that pushed you to say, look, I, I don't even, I'm not even going to college right now. Nobody's recruited me. I don't have a scholarship. You know, how in your mind did you say, look, I'm going to go out there and just, I'm going to go for it and see if I can walk on just, just even to get onto the junior college team? I mean, well, what was that? Uh, so I started playing baseball at a very young age, and uh, my dad coached my teams from the time I played t-ball up through uh, up until I got to high school. And uh, at that time, he basically said, okay, now you're on your own. You're going to have to work on your own to get there. Um, but it was it was that experience uh, with him coaching my teams and – and the bond that I built with my dad, uh, he was he was a baseball guy through and through. Just loved the game, and uh, we just had that connection. And I loved the game so much that uh, it, that I mean that bond and that love of the game kind of fueled the fire to uh, 
you know, to want to just excel uh, and overcome a lot of the obstacles that, um, you know, became very difficult when uh, when you're not exactly, you know, from baseball pedigree or, or a real talented or, or just have a real talented skill set to present the scouts. I think that's so worth noting because um, I can tell you I'm, I'm not an athlete in a in any sport other than, you know, running for health, but just to have that that point at which you go, I'm going to go for it. You know, I don't have the skills. You know, I don't I, – I, I, the reason it's fascinating for me is I have a brother who's much younger than me, and he played baseball growing up. My dad coached his team – the whole thing. And there was a point at which he kind of went, you know, and not to his discredit, but you know, I'm not, I'm not the fastest. I'm not this, I'm not that. So I'm just not going to pursue it, even though he loved it. So I I just want to kind of acknowledge that it it takes a lot just to even made that first step to, to kind of go for, you know, the walk on in the junior college team. Yeah, and there's, you know, when I was in Little League, I was one of the better players out there, and then all the other guys kind of grew up around me, and there's a time where the talent kind of runs out, um, you know, after you hit adolescence and you kind of develop, uh, you know, that's when you really see the guys that are, you know, that can bring a physical presence and that have that kind of talent, and uh, if you're not one of those guys, uh you know, like I wasn't at that particular time, you just, I mean, you have to really dedicate yourself and really make that decision internally that, you know, I'm going to give this thing a try and, uh, you know, and put in 110% and, and just see where it goes. And what was your position, Ryan? Uh, I played, well, <laughs> coming up, I played a little bit of everything. In college, I played I started off when I walked on at third base, and then they realized they had a scholarship player there, so I wasn't going to really be a third baseman. Um, our second baseman struggled hitting a little bit, so they tried to mix me in there for a little bit, so I kind of ended up splitting time between second base and outfield uh, and really just filling in, you know, for if somebody was struggling hitting um, – you know, and I was doing well at the time. They kind of just put me in those places accordingly. So now we need to fast forward, and you're playing at the college, and you start playing your senior year. And where did you go from there? You said that you realized that they have a thing, a pro day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the uh, the scout day is something that happens. Um, most, college, most major colleges and even uh, – you know, even Division Two, uh, Division Three, NAIA, and junior colleges will have a, a pro day of some sort. Uh, some of the larger, uh, more well-known baseball programs will have a pro day where a pro, uh, where the pro teams, every team in the big leagues will send a scout. Um, so, you know, we were fortunate at, at Central Florida to be. Uh, you know, to have that many scouts out there, we had, you know, every team sent a scout out there. That was between my junior and senior year. And that was really, you know, the eye-opening experience for me when I realized that you, you don't, the way they grade, you don't necessarily need to be a great baseball player to get drafted. They, dra- they draft and they grade mainly on tools, um, you know, so it, you could have 
one tool. You could have two tools. I mean, a five-tool player is almost unheard of. But if you had one tool that was just spectacular, I mean, that alone would get you drafted and possibly get you drafted in some of the higher rounds. So it kind of just, uh, you know, you, you see that and you, and you realize, okay, these are the skills I need to develop as opposed to, you know, developing an all-around game. And you almost kind of realize, okay, I can dissect this down into little chunks or little things that I need to work on specifically to really have a shot at professional baseball. So Dr. Richard, our resident sports psychologist, dig deep a little bit with Ryan here on this. <laughs> you didn't know what you were getting into, all right. <laughs> so, I'm ready. Well, there's so many things that, uh, that 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 pop out about about your story that you're talking to me about. You know, the bond with your dad and that love that was kind of always there at the root, no matter when things were. I mean, for somebody else who had a much, you know, higher expectation that they would get in the rotation right away, or they'd be a starter every day. Maybe they wouldn't be able to tolerate it. So I guess my first question is, um, how did you personally, and what do you advise players who are in that kind of situation where they're they're wondering, do they transfer out? Um, you know, how do they make the most of this opportunity? And two, like, what resources did you use to keep yourself focused on 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 making the most of every single opportunity? Um. Really just the, I mean, just realizing the opportunity that I had at the time. Um, you know, even though when I got to UCF, uh, you know, I, you know, I thought I would like to have come in and played every game as a junior and just excelled from there. Um, that wasn't the case, but, you know, just kind of realizing the guys that I was, you know, the guys that I were playing with, these are top talented guys, uh, some of them top prospects in the nation um, in realizing that opportunity. Okay. I get to, I get to practice with these guys. I get to be on the field with them almost every day. If I'm not in the game, uh, you know, I still can make myself better every day that I come out here and realizing, you know, that opportunity was, was key. Uh, and kind of getting a grasp on that early on. Uh, to just know that, and that, that goes for everybody. You know, it doesn't, you don't have to be at a top tier program. And even if you're not playing every day at a, you know, in a junior college setting or, a, or NAIA type setting, uh, but realizing every day you go out there, you can make yourself better. And doing your research and knowing what scouts uh, are looking for. And what to work on specifically is huge in me. I, you know, I was doing some research um, before the show tonight, and I was fascinated by how many times I ran across the comment that scouts, you know, it really comes down to the scout and and how they're feeling on any given day or what they're seeing at any given moment. And I think that I, I'm fascinated by how you were able to kind of take – your assessment of what the scouts were looking for and turn that into something that was practical for you to do. How were, how were you able to do that? Did you talk to some of the scouts? Did your coaches give you some prep before these pro days? Like, how did you take that information and synthesize it into something you could use? Well, in, in my particular situation, 
you know, knowing that everything was going to be a struggle from a, from a talent standpoint, I tried to just really zone in and start becoming a student of, you know, what the scouts were particularly looking for uh, in our scout day. I mean, nobody came out and said, this is what they're going to test you on. So my junior year, I almost kind of, I don't want to say I wasted it, but I was not near as prepared as I should have been to know what they were looking for. Uh, but I just took mental notes. Okay, this is what they're going to grade us on. I mean, because my junior year, there was a scout day where there's 30 scouts there, you know, so it's, I mean, I'm just thinking in my mind, let's, let's figure out what they're going to test on um, as we were going along. And then my, my senior year, I came very prepared for it. Um, but to your point, as far as, you know, how a, how a scout feels on this particular day, that was one thing that I didn't realize at the time. Um, and that's something that I, I touch on pretty heavily in the, in the book is just realizing that you have to be prepared. If you're going to be in a big, big showcase type setting, you have to come absolutely prepared because a scout will write you off in two seconds. Um, you know, it's better to go to a smaller showcase uh, where there's not as many scouts or, you know, if you're trying to go from the junior college to the division one level, um, go to a smaller showcase uh, if you're rusty or if you're trying to get back in the swing of things, if you're not in tip-top shape, uh, because you always want to get in front of people. You want to get your name in the hat uh, as far as, you know, being seen. But, you know, I've seen I've seen and I've heard scouts talk, ex-roommates among that became scouts, and they'll go look at a guy – and you'll see him for less than 10 minutes, and he's off their list. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. He takes five swings, and, they, and he moves right to the top of their list. So it's a, it's a very temperamental kind of fragile situation. So, Ryan, before we take the next step in your journey, uh, our watcher, A.J. Collier, has informed us it looks like about four minutes left, and Zags are up 60-59. Gonzaga's up one point. <laughs> So, uh, I, I've got UNC, so that's no good. But uh oh, <laughs> but there's still a few minutes left. But it looks like it's a great game. Uh, also, want to welcome Art Gracia, another Carpentersville old pal from back in the day. And we have a lot of other viewers. I just can't see everyone's name. So thank you for tuning in and watching with us. So Ryan, so you figured out how to turn yourself into. You've, the tools that the scouts are looking for, and lo and behold, what did it feel like when you got the call? Uh, I was, I mean, it was a dream come true, really. Um, I mean, in the 30th round, uh, as a senior sign, I'd kind of talked to some friends of mine um, and knew that it wasn't near as illustrious as I probably had built it up in my mind, but still just a shot at uh, you know, pro baseball and getting in the mix with some of these guys that were, you know, first round picks, uh, you know, and getting to play on the same field with guys that you've been watching on TV. Some of these guys you grew up watching were still playing. Uh, and I got to rub elbows with them. It was, I mean, it was a dream come true, really. So you got drafted in the 30th round of the 2003 Major League draft? That's right. And by the then Florida Marlins. Exactly. And that's amazing. And, you know, one thing before we get into some of your playing in the minor leagues, our resident statistician, Wendy, (laughs) 
you probably know these numbers, Ryan, but Wendy, you you presented some really <laughs> eye popping numbers about what it takes to to make it from the draft. Let's hear some of those numbers. Yeah, Wendy. it was really interesting, and these are kind of round numbers because the source that I found didn't have you know they don't apparently have exact numbers. But basically, there's 1,200 players that are drafted each year or thereabouts. Of those 500 don't sign at all. 300 of them don't play longer in the minors than a year with the team that signed them. 170 never play in Major League Baseball but stay in the minors. So 170 actually get to have a career out of the 1,200 in in baseball. Of those, 25 um, play for the Major League Spring Training Team. And and that's all they ever get a chance to do. And then out of all of those players, five will make it to the majors, which I was like, wow. And also one more stat that I didn't share was that 10% of, my, of minor league players play at least one game in the major league. That's it. So if you're in the minors and you and you only 10% of you are going to actually get to play one game. One game. Yeah. So for me, I was kind of like, Wow, you have to have such heart and soul and such a love of the game to even, you know, stay in the minors for any. I, I was blown away, Ryan, by your story and, and your career in the minors because even that's such a challenge and so difficult. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not all it's cracked up to be, you know, when, it, when somebody uh, thinks about playing professionally. Um, but at the same time, you know, there is that opportunity where, you know, in, in my shoes, you know, coming from walking on to a junior college team and just a few years later, I'm mixing in in a big league spring training game with Josh Beckett, Manny Ramirez and playing, you know, playing against all stars at the major league level that have, you know, some of the best talent in the world. Uh, it was just. Uh, that part of it in itself was was so exciting that um, you know you get that kind of opportunity you just you got to go for it. But uh, yeah. to your point, yeah, it's uh, uh, on the minor league side. It's a struggle. I mean, it's a battle every day. And um, you know, the first team that I played for in Jamestown, New York, I would say seventy five percent of that team got released before the next spring training or oh, it's leaving the next spring training, 75% of that team didn't even break camp on my team. That was the, that was the end of their professional careers. Wow. Wow. It's amazing. So that's that's an interesting point, Ryan. So while you're out there and you're excited and you're having this kind of out-of-body experience, like, you know, there's Manny Wood over there. You know, <laughs> do I get his autograph or, or try and tag him out? You know, how do you keep yourself grounded in that moment? Because it is, it is, I mean, you want to get excited. I mean, it's a childhood dream. And there you are, and it's happening. Um, but how do you not get lost in it? Well, I mean, the main the main thing is just uh, for me was just stick to what what got me there. You know, I mean, my work ethic is what got me there um, originally. It wasn't, you know, I didn't, you know, skate through on talent by any means. So the big thing for me was uh, my work ethic and my preparation. Uh, you know, because obviously when you get in a game like that or you know, you find yourself on a field with, you know, with some of the most talented players uh, in the world, you know, nerves are going to play a factor. Um, 
but the preparation, and, and I talk about this in the book as well, is, uh, you know, the preparation is key. Um, your body, you know, muscle memory is a, is a very important thing uh, when it comes to, to anything, especially sports, especially baseball. Um, you know, just training your body to do the same things over and over and to do them correctly. Um, and then you get out there and it's, it's almost like you can put yourself on autopilot to an extent. You know, when you get in a groove, even for a player like myself uh, that wasn't extremely talented, the preparation and, you know, getting that built into your muscle memory, uh, getting a routine built in, that would kind of make the nerves subside. And then, uh, you know, everything you put into it would kind of play out on the field in a game situation. So, Ryan, now moving ahead to your actual career in the minor leagues, like I'm looking at your stat lines, and in 2004, in your first full season of single A, you had 17 homers and 69 RBIs, huge. And in your last season, in 2007, in double A at Carolina, you had 10 homers and 50 RBIs. I mean, you were and you know, a lifetime 263 hitter in the minor leagues. That's nothing to sneeze at. So what were the highs and lows of that? And then what happened after 2007 that that was it for you? Um, well, so the highs and lows, uh, you know, obviously hitting 17 homers was a, was a big high point. My average was down at that time. And that was one of, one of my things is, you know, I couldn't seem to put the average and the homers together in a season, um, you know, which – would have projected me on further in my career. Um, but, and that's another thing that I think I could speak on is, you know, I always wanted to put the ball in play because that's how I was brought up, putting the ball in play and, uh, and trying to make things happen that way, where if you really break it down the way they look at uh, baseball now and power numbers, if, if that 17 homers turns into 20 or 25 homers, it doesn't matter if I hit for average. I can go to the big leagues just on that. Right. So now I would suggest that players, if they have that kind of power, really focus on maximizing that power and just, I mean, I don't want to just say throw batting average out the window, but I almost do because you see guys hang around in the big leagues that hit as low as 210, 215, 220, which, I mean, we're talking big league pitching here, so, you know, it's the best of the best, but at the same time, if you can hit, if you can hit 20, 25 homers, you can make a career out of it. Absolutely. Uh, I didn't put it together at the time. Um, and to answer the second part of the question, after uh, 2007, I ended up getting released out of camp in 2008. Uh, got picked up by a team in the Atlantic League, which is one of the premier leagues in independent baseball. Definitely. My I was actually my manager at the time was actually Tommy John. Wow! So I know you guys that's a Dodger name. fan. Uh, that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So again, I mean, just a great experience. Um, but you know, I had the best year I've ever had there, uh, as far as making the All Star team. Uh, hit three twenty with eleven homers there, but didn't have any opportunity to get back into affiliated ball. And affiliated ball was that channel, you know, to, to get to the big leagues and to realize that dream. So uh, when I didn't have any bites there and I was I was older at the time, looking at 
probably 27 years old at the time. So, uh, you know, you, you kind of see the writing on the wall as far as you look at big league guys and even now big league guys, I mean, it's a young man's game. You're not touching down in the big leagues by the time you're 23, 24 years old. Uh, that window is closing up pretty quick. I mean, you might get a platoon guy that comes in and plays a few innings, you know, here and there, plays uh, defensive specialist, but if you're not established in the big leagues by the time you're, I'd say, 24, 25, you're going to have a tough time making a career in the big leagues. So you've just got to the point where it was time to transition, and Mm -hmm. we have transition specialists here with us. Era, why don't you... Kind of talk them through and kind of figure out, you now work with old hickory bats, so Era, kind of... Yeah, I was going to ask, I mean, you've you've talked, I was reading through the content you sent over our way uh, in preparation for the show tonight, and I was struck when you you said, it's not who you are, but who you're going to be. Um, And you've shared so much about that mindset on the field for you and how it is that you literally decided what kind of a player you were going to be and where you wanted to go and what it took to get there. So when your playing career came to an end, how did that mindset serve you? What are you doing with yourself now, and how, how has that helped you? Um, so I'm, I'm working with Old Hickory Bat, I'm with Old Hickory Bat Company. I'm currently in sales with them. Um, I used their bats when I played and knew it was, to me, the best bat in the game. So um, naturally I would seek them out to, to see if there was any opportunity there um, for two reasons, mainly because I, I loved baseball. I wanted to stay in the game. And two, uh, I, I moved to Nashville and found that the company was actually only 25 minutes north of town. Hmm. So I basically sent them my resume and just pestered them until they hired me. Uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't do anything back at first. Uh, and even a few months passed, and I just kept continuing to email them and continue to hammer them kind of the same way that I got my shot at professional baseball sure. was to, to persevere. And it was something that I, that I decided that I wanted to do or wanted to, to try. And uh, eventually they, they, they hired me and they put me to work sanding baseball bats. Right. So, uh, <laughs> but I love how you keep giving us examples of just that. I mean, you're on the field and figuring out, what you're going to do next, you know, how do you become a different player, a better player? Where do you go? And you're on the field and now you're thinking about the bats that you're playing with. And so what are you going to do after that? Well, of course you're going to go work right. for the company that makes those bets. I mean, it's, it's, well, it's incredible. And I think what's so important um, and something that we try and tell our clients all the time is that, you know, you had the same, you said you use the same tools that you had used to get into baseball, to get into mm-hmm. old hickory bats. And right. a lot of times you know, I think athletes don't realize that the skills that they that made them successful in sports are the exact same skills that will make them successful out, off the field. And a lot of athletes don't make that connection funny enough. And that's one of the things that we're constantly trying to tell our clients. So thank you for proving our point. It's really useful. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it. <laughs> oh, well, and, that, and that's absolutely true. I mean, especially with baseball. I mean, and that was you know, out of all the different sports, that was one thing that I'm very grateful uh, to baseball for is that um, failure is such a high rate in the game of baseball. It teaches you to persevere. Um, and if and you realize that, you know, as a major league baseball player, if you fail 70% of the time, you can still go to the Hall of Fame. 
So, yeah, yeah. so it's just an amazing perspective. Out and keep on pushing forward. And that was one thing that baseball taught me specifically to to just not set, not accept no for an answer. I mean, yeah. you're going to fail, but you have to push through that and get to where you want to go. So, Ryan, um, do you want to know the outcome of the game, or are you are you planning on watching it later? If it's UNC, absolutely. If it's Gonzaga, then no. Well, we have 2017 NCAA national champions that A.J. Collier has been keeping. I've been keeping abreast of it here. I just didn't want to break in too much. It's been a back-and-forth game. But the winner of the 2017 NCAA national championship game is... The North Carolina Tar Heels. Wow. What was the final score? Uh, he didn't give me the final score yet. What's that final score, AJ? But yes, so you're you're a big winner tonight. Wow, Ryan. must have been a great game. Yep. And and that's for bragging rights at Old Hickory Bat Company. We have a big pool going. So nice. That was on the line. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's kind of like the superstition, right? If because you were on the show, you know your team won. You know, speaking of Old Hickory, is it is this based on the natural? Uh, Old Hickory, no, no, it's not. Um, it's more based on uh, where they're located in Tennessee. But uh, yeah, the, the natural is a good one. Uh, <laughs> so, so on that note, Ryan, because I know you know, growing up playing little league and stuff, that the the bat and the wood bat has kind of a mystical you know component to it. The sound when the ball hits the bat, um, you know, maybe tell us a little bit about you know your favorite. Um, bat maybe that you kept with you and um, and what what are the different kinds of bats that you're representing out there? Seventy one sixty five final score. Yeah. But go ahead, go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's all good. It's all good. Um, so I found out first about Old Hickory Bat Company. Um, I found the Derek Lee bat in the Marlins clubhouse, and Derek Lee was a guy that I always looked up to because love Derek uh, Lee. Yeah, D. Lee, he's a he's a he's a Cubbies oh, guy yeah. too. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, but he was always a guy that I looked up to because of his work ethic and his professional demeanor and the way he carried himself on the field. Uh, so I found one of his bats in the clubhouse, and uh, you know D. Lee was a beast. So the bat was too big for me, but I decided to use it anyways, uh, and then ordered some that I could actually handle um, after that. But uh, you know, to your point, as far Bats and, and and what goes into them. Um, my favorite model was that exact model from. Uh, it was Derek Lee's model. It was originally a David Segui model, but it got passed on to Derek Lee, and that's how I found it with his name. Like, so DS2 model from Old Hickory, uh, and it was just you know it was one of those ones where when you find it, you put your hands, everything just feels right. I mean, you can almost feel the confidence just start to come right out of you when, once you pick it up. So um, I do want to apologize to our audience. The volume is kind of coming in and out just a little bit and everything, but thanks for bearing with us on that. But that is a great story about the bat. Um, Jarvis, what do we got, five minutes left? I want to make sure because I, I know we have a sh- – okay, we have seven minutes left, so – we're going to kind of give a little round of follow-up questions, but Ryan, I want to make sure that you, um, you've written this book, How to Get Drafted by a Major League Team. So give our listeners out there who might have a youth in sports or someone who is a collegiate athlete, 
Like, uh, you know, give give away a few great nuggets. Uh, well, I would say, you know, one of the one of the top, uh, you know, one of the top nuggets that I give away is just that uh, it's very important to know how scouts grade, and it's very important to know the tools that they're looking for uh, from each player. Uh, it's also very important to know that they grade on five tools and you're not going to have all five of those tools. Uh, I mean, one, if you had all five of those tools, you would be a Mike Trout, you would be a Mickey Mantle, uh, you would be an A-Rod in his prime. Cespedes. Yeah. Just throwing, <laughs> him, just throwing him at, in there. Yeah, just, just, <laughs> just throwing uh, it in there. <laughs> I hear you. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if you're one of those guys, then you don't need to pick up the book. Uh, you know, you've already got scouts on you. You're already getting offers probably left and right. Um, but yeah, just to realize how scouts grade players and to realize that even if you only have one tool and that tool right now is mediocre, uh, that you can hone that tool and you can make it better and you can still have a shot at it. I mean, if you look at myself on paper, uh, my junior year, I mean, I talked to the scout that drafted me. Ironically enough, he wound up being our pitching coach my first year of pro ball with the Marlins. And he showed me the scouting report that he had on me and the skill set that he had written down on me. And I don't think I had a single tool that graded out uh, really at a professional level at all, let alone the big league. Um, but yet they took a chance on me in the draft. Wow. So I had one tool that was barely good enough to put me on the scale. Um, and that's one of the key, you know, the key things is for guys, you know, I did, I learned this at the college level Our head coach, Jay Bergman at UCF would say, if you have a strength, continue to strengthen it, you know, strengthen your weaknesses, but don't spend all your time strengthening your weaknesses because then your strengths will, you know, if you have one solid strength, that will actually start to decline. Hmm. If you have one solid tool or one solid strength that you have, Focus on that because that's what's going to pop off the page and that's what's going to give you your opportunity. Wow, that's a Amazing. great piece of advice to leave our audience with. So wait, 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 wait. I have one no, question. Yeah, we okay. have more. We only have a couple minutes left. So. Very quickly, Ryan, I want to know why you say in your book that striking out is cool. Well, and that's what I alluded to earlier was, you know, for me, when I hit 17 home runs in A-ball, I also struck out 104 times. Mm -hmm. And I hated striking out at the time, but if I would have, you know, just thrown that to the wind and said, if I struck out 200 times, I mean, look at a guy like Mark Reynolds. I mean, he's playing in the big, league, yep. big leagues. I played against him in double A, mm -hmm. and he's a very, very talented hitter, and he's had 200-plus strikeout years. Yep. I mean, Bo Jackson made striking out cool. As long as you hit 20-plus homers, striking out is cool. And you're still going to get shot at playing at the big league level if you can put up 20 homers. It doesn't matter how many times you strike it. Yeah, right. That's a great point. Yeah. Any other quick last questions? That's it. So I want to make sure the book is not available yet, Ryan. But you know, we do uh, play the show. We have links to the show later. So mm -hmm. let our audience know how can they reach out to you? How can they find out when the book is finally out there and available? Yeah, um, so right now and how uh, I've had most interaction with people that are interested in the book is uh, through my Instagram account, uh, which is get.drafted.mlb. Um, 
or via drafted MLB at Gmail right now. Um, looking at launching the book towards the end of this month. Um, and those are those are kind of the main ways you can get a hold of me. Um, and I've had a lot of a lot of interest already. So um, you know, baseball is one of those things, especially when you talk about having a shot at and playing professionally, that people get pretty excited about. And you know, I'm not even a potential baseball draftee, but I can't wait to read the book myself. And you, on a, on a final note, you say that uh, people that order the book they'll get a discount on Old Hickory Bats too, right? Yeah, we're going to look at uh, putting a discount in there. Um, in all honesty, the, I mean, <laughs> the discount will probably pay for the book in its own right. So um, the guys at Old Hickory, I mean, they're just they're great guys to work with. I mean, it's more like a family now than anything, um, and they always encourage, you know, guys to do, uh, you know, they always, you know, help you with anything that you that you might want to do and encourage you to, to succeed. And you can get those at Dick's Sporting Goods, right? Yes, you can. Amazing. Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show and imparting all the wisdom that you did for our watchers and listeners out there. It's really amazing. And we'll also keep our our followers abreast of when the book is out, because I'm sure you'll keep me abreast, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I do appreciate you all having me on. It's been been fun. And congratulations on your bragging rights with your Tar Heels tonight. (laughs) I appreciate that, too. I'll, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I'll rub it in too much tomorrow at work. But uh, yeah. So, and if any of our followers out there tonight, you know, have any follow-ups or requests or questions for you, just send them our way here and we'll definitely get them over to Ryan. But Ryan, thank you again for staying up late and being on the show. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. We appreciate you, Ryan. All right. And... The time goes by so fast, doesn't it, everyone? Always. It does. And so here we are wrapping up another Distill It with Richard Listen's show. We're down to like the last 30 seconds, right, Jarvis? So we're going to be back live in two weeks. Our guest is going to be Dr. Lisa Post from Stanford. And more notably, what is she, Dr. Richard? Sports psychologist for the 49ers. The San Francisco freaking 49ers. So that's pretty (laughs) darn exciting. And uh, just go around the table. One last little word of wisdom from everyone. Oh, my goodness. I I just think to always go for your dream and and not be afraid to work hard. I think Ryan just embodied that. And I was very impressed with uh, how he managed to, you know, take that into his baseball career and then beyond. And I said that to Ryan, but I really meant it. I was so struck by what he said. It's not who you are, but who you're going to be. So don't get stuck on here right now, but what's coming next? Amazing. Dr. Richard? Don't be afraid to fail. Yep. Don't be afraid to follow your passion and find your way. It may not be the way that other people uh, have have carved out, and it may not be the easy path. But But it's your way. It's your way. That's right. Couldn't have said it all better myself, so... Thank you, everyone out there, for watching us. We'll see you in two weeks on Distill It with Richard Listens. Thank you. Peace out.